Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I'd like to mention that I am uh, taking a great deal of help for our sermon this morning from uh, Dr. Sinclair Ferguson. Uh, we have uh, appreciated Dr. Ferguson on uh, Sunday morning uh, during some of our Sunday school uh, hour lessons. We have appreciated him very much, and I have appreciated uh, work that he has done on the uh, Sermon on the Mount in a, a book titled Kingdom Life in a Fallen World. And so again, I want to uh, mention him. He is not my only resource, but he is certainly a uh, major resource for me for our message today. Before I begin the uh, message, I'd like to call your attention to the cover of the bulletin to the very first 
reflective reading. It's by Martin Luther. I want to call your attention to it because that's what I'm going to pray before we have our message this morning. Martin Luther has said, the Bible is alive, it speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, it lays hold on me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your word. And thank you that uh, you accompany your word. In your grace, Heavenly Father, speak to each one of us through your word this morning. Run after those of us who need you to chase us. And uh, Heavenly Father, uh, may you use your word to lay hold of us and uh, work in us for your glory. Please, in your grace, Heavenly Father, use your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text or our verse for our sermon today is Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. My good friend Warren Wiersbe has pointed out salt is a commodity that we take for granted, but in the ancient world, it was greatly valued. The Roman soldiers, he says, were given salt rations, and they would revolt if those rations were changed. Our English word, he continues, salary, literally means Salt money, money with which to buy salt. The next time you hear someone say, that person is not worth his salt, you are being reminded of the value that people used to put on salt. Jesus, in our text, used salt as a picture of a Christian. In doing this, he no doubt was telling us of our value, of our worth to the world. We have the ability to have an impact on every segment of society and to permeate the whole of it for his glory. Today, let's see our value as Christians by looking at three ways we influence 
society. That will be point number one. And then let's finish our sermon with a consideration of the words, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Point one, three ways we Christians influence society. One way we do that as followers of Jesus Christ is, A, we have a preserving effect upon society. Salt, uh, most likely all of us know, is a preservative. It was so in our Lord's day, and it is still so today. We are familiar with its use of preserving meat. Our Lord teaches us by calling us salt that Christians whose lives exhibit the previous Beatitudes have a preserving impact on the world. Dr. Ferguson, society that is left to itself will rot and deteriorate. It will suffer moral and spiritual decay and become unfit for the consumption of good men and women. Christians, we are first of all being told, keep society from spoiling. The Jews, I have read, had a practice of rubbing newborn babies with salt. In all likelihood, this practice was not for ritual cleanliness, but for actual hygiene. It was understood that if hygiene was ignored, sickness and even death could result. Christians living the Beatitudes, humility, repentance, being meek, merciful, pure in heart, being peacemakers, prevent the world from being more sick and dying. But I'm only one person, right? What good will I actually be as I live out a life for the Lord Jesus? You're living a Christian life, quote, will make it more difficult for sinful attitudes and habits and words to become the norm where you are, among your friends, co-workers, classmates. Your Christian living will cause the soil of your environment to be less fertile for evil practices and more fertile 
for Christ. I don't know how many times I have gone to a golf course and have been paired with rather foul-mouthed men, only to have them change their language when they found out I was a Christian pastor. We must not give in to Satan's lie that I can do nothing. We can have a significant influence on our part of the world and with other Christians, on our city, on our state, on our country. It has been said, and I've read this more than once, it has been said that the thing that saved the entire nation of England in the 18th century from a revolution as horrible and bloody as the French Revolution was the evangelical revival. People coming to Jesus Christ and then living out Christian lives under the preaching and teaching of men like George Whitfield and John Wesley. We are the salt of the earth. We have a preserving effect upon the earth. I admit, little does the earth realize the importance of the presence of Christians. But it's true. It's real. We do hinder corruption and death. Another way we Christians impact the earth is B, we act as a season to it. We impart flavor to society. You have no doubt had the experience of sitting down to some food, and the food was rather bland. It was almost tasteless. And so, what did you do? You gave it some zest by sprinkling salt on it. Young people, have, have you ever had French fries from Burger King or McDonald's or, or Wendy's and they didn't have any salt on them? No more than a few fries went into your mouth before you were spicing them up by putting salt on them, right? We Christians, our Lord also teaches, act as a season. When we live out the gospel, we are not, Dr. Ferguson, Scrooge-like people whose presence brings a a pall of depression and the departure of the joy of living. On the contrary, we increase the flavor of life in many different ways. We express the attractiveness 
as well as the holiness of God. Our Lord Jesus himself, of course, had this seasoning. We see, as we read about him in the Gospels, that by his presence, he raised the spirits of many. He brought hope and truth and life. It's true. There was a parting of the ways with those who would not receive him, but they had to admit nevertheless there was a quality about him that was enlivening, enlivening. I like Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and following here. These are, uh, these are words uh, about uh, the Lord Jesus. Here are some of those words. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. He said, let the little children come to me. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. What a picture we have here. Here's Jesus. Here's all these children. And they're coming to him. And he's picking them up. And he's putting his hands on them. He's blessing them. Children don't go to negative, dead, sour people. But they love positive, friendly, caring, joyful people. Our Lord was caring. He was joyful. He was friendly. This might surprise some of you, but he actually laughed. What a picture we have here of life. There are those who would try to get people to think that Christianity is a deadening thing. They present Christianity in the worst of ways. But the truth is, they are wrong. Christianity is just the opposite. Christianity is salt. It brings health and life and flavor. As someone has said, a Christian is not only good, a Christian is also good for something. A Christian brings good. Certainly, one of the greatest ways we as Christians can impart our seasoning to this world is through our mouths. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul, writing to Christians here, says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. In other words, as Paul puts it in Ephesians 4, 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for 
building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our mouths can do much harm, or they can be the vehicle for great blessing. We can tear people down with our words, or we can build them up with our speech. We can help them with our words. Once again, a quote. We can lift the spirits of the discouraged. We can put the whole of life in a new perspective for people. Years ago, I was the assistant minister at Homestead Presbyterian Church in Homestead, Pennsylvania. The senior pastor and I would make a lot of hospital visits. I still remember going to Homestead Hospital, going to a certain room, taking off my coat, hanging up my coat, because I was going to spend time making visits in that hospital. And we visited every single week. One of us, the beginning of the week, one of us, the end of the week. On this particular occasion, I was walking down one of the halls, and I looked into a room, and there was a young lady sitting there. I decided to go in. I was there at the hospital. I was making visits. Let's visit her. I went in, and I engaged her in conversation. Linda told me that she was a Penn State co-ed. And she went on to tell me that her boyfriend had left her. And then she said, uh, and because of that, I attempted to take my life. And that's why I'm here. I talked to her about the Lord Jesus. And she went on to receive the Lord Jesus after perhaps our second, third, fourth time of conversation, but she went on to receive the Lord Jesus as her Savior from sin and as the Lord of her life, and what a change took place in her life. One of the greatest ways we can impart our seasoning is through our speech. Are you aware of the power of your tongue? Are you consciously trying to use your words to help, to benefit others? Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Do you think I really can't bring zest to people. I can't bring flavor to life. Our Lord Jesus says to you, if you are one of his, that's not true. Oh, yes, you can. As you live out a transformed life, as you live out the Beatitudes, you will 
impart flavor to life. You are the salt of the earth. You also act as seasoning to it. The world, someone has said, is far better, a far better place for the presence of Christians. The third way, C, the third way we influence the world is expressed in Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13 for this third way we influence. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13 reads, Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. Grain offerings in the Old Testament were accompanied with salt, called the salt of the covenant of your God. This salt of the covenant I have read was a symbol of faithfulness. When the Israelites made offerings, the salt was to say to the Lord God, our offerings are being made with hearts set on knowing and serving you. They were saying, we will be faithful to you, Lord God. And hence, they would also be faithful and trustworthy to people. So, see, the third way we are a blessing to the world is we can be trusted by others. We are faithful in reference to them. Like Joseph in the court of Pharaoh, Daniel in the court of Nebuchadnezzar, Nehemiah in the court of Artaxerxes, we can be relied upon. We can be depended on. We can be depended on to live and speak the truth. And this is what it also means to be the salt of the earth. I think of a verse in 1 Timothy 3. Paul is writing to Timothy, and in regards to the church, he says in verse 15 that the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The place where people should be able to go for truth, no doubt about it, a never-failing, dependable, trustworthy place for truth is the church. Just so, Christians are trustworthy. They are faithful. They can be depended on to live and to speak the truth. We are the salt of the covenant of God. It might seem 
that Christians are small and insignificant. Most likely you have thought that about yourself, how insignificant you are as far as the world goes. We are of little value. We have no bearing on society. We are powerless in the world. Our Lord, once more, is teaching us this morning through calling us salt that we have the ability to greatly bless society, every segment of it and the whole of it. We preserve society, we season society, and we speak and live the truth in society. We are not to sell ourselves short. We are to see our value. I love this quote. I don't remember from where I got it, but I wrote it down. If we were to take out of civilization the influence of Christian thought and Christian people, very little would be left. That's so true. We are the salt of the earth. Let's finish up our message, point two now, with a consideration of the remaining words of Matthew 5.13. Notice them with me, the, the remaining words. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. What are these words saying now? I think at least this. The saltiness of Christians is our Christian character. The saltiness of Christians is living out the Beatitudes. It is our being different, it is our following, it is our obeying the Lord Jesus. If we cease to do that, we will cease to have an impact on society. If we stop being different, if we stop living the gospel, we will become no longer good for anything. Nothing can be salt for this earth except what Christ teaches us here. We then must strive to live the transformed life as believers. I've read that many centuries ago, the Chinese had a terrible way of killing their enemies. You might think, well, what did they do? Did they starve their enemies? Actually, no. They would give them all the food they wanted, but they would first remove the salt from that food. And those people died because their bodies could not exist without salt. We are of the utmost 
importance. But we must live, we must live salty lives. Humility, repentance, gentleness, patience, righteousness, forgiveness, mercy, being pure in heart, being a peacemaker. We must strive to live the Beatitudes. There are two big temptations for us believers concerning the world. One is to become like the world, you know, to act like the world, to think like the world, to look like the world, to like what the world likes. God says to us, however, in Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And the second big temptation is to withdraw from the world. If we're not, you know, really seeing this saltiness taking place around us, have we become like the world, lost our saltiness, or are we getting away from the world? Uh, we're different, so we don't want to be in the world. John 17, our Lord prays, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. As I have sent them into the world, as, excuse me, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so we are to make sure that we don't become like the world, and we're to make sure that we don't withdraw from the world. We are the salt of the earth. Let's make this our final thought. One of the ways we retain and grow saltiness in our lives is through being in the word of God. Our Lord Jesus in John chapter 17 also prayed, I have given them your word. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It is the word of God that helps us retain and grow in the Beatitudes. So let's make sure that we are people of the word, reading it, hearing it, learning it, embracing it, obeying it, loving it. Oh, how I love your law. Psalm 119, verse 97. I meditate on it all day long. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for reminding probably many of us of something that uh, we have forgotten. And that is how important we really are to this world. And thank you for also uh, reminding us how we can be, how we can actually uh, give that importance to the world uh, through uh, following the Lord Jesus, his teaching concerning the Beatitudes. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we've asked you to use your word uh, of this morning for your glory, we 
ask that again. Would you please, Heavenly Father, take what we have been hearing today and uh, let it go with us and stay with us. And uh, we pray that it will be used by you for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.